Welcome to the Let's Talk Money and More podcast with me, Leslie Thomas. The aim of the podcast is to get us all talking about money more. Talking about money is still considered to be a taboo. We don't talk about money enough. Women don't talk about money enough. And that needs to stop. In this podcast, my guests and I talk about money, mindset, and how to turn around limiting beliefs, allowing you to develop a healthy, wealthy money mindset. Our relationship with money doesn't just affect our finances, but impacts every aspect of our business. And most of all, our own sense of self-value and self-worth. By mastering your mindset, you can in turn master the money you make in your business. Welcome to this week's episode of the podcast, which is a guest episode. And I'm really pleased to introduce you to Alex Chisnell. Alex is a passionate entrepreneur and podcasting extraordinaire who believes in amplifying brands and empowering driven individuals to be heard above the noise. As the founder of Podpreneur, a leading podcast agency, Alex embarked on this journey after experiencing a life-changing transformation through his own podcast, Screw It, Just Do It. It was Alex's agency that helped me to launch this podcast just over two years ago and also launched my other company's podcast, the Alpine Property Podcast, earlier this year. From humble beginnings, where his show received only two downloads, most likely, he says, from his loyal wife and doting mother, Alex's determination propelled him to achieve global success. Today, Screw It, Just Do It is a chart-topping business podcast in over 160 countries, resonating with audiences from the UK to Uganda. Welcome to the podcast, Alex. It's absolutely brilliant to have you on today. Pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. So I'm going to ask you the same question I ask all my guests. What is your money story? Do you get guests who say they've got a few money stories? Yeah, I do. Yes, definitely. <laughs> I wondered if you did. I wondered if you did. Um, my money story, um, I think probably like maybe a lot of people that you've had on, it's it's determined to a certain degree by the upbringing that I had, which was um, which was my mother and my father getting divorced, uh, which was leaving a huge house in, in Canada. And my father, allegedly, because I've only ever really heard my mum's side of the story, but um, my father, my mother losing this, this house because he'd put it up as... I can assume something like collateral in a business deal. And it was something like four million pounds house not that not that long ago that Donovan Bailey, the Olympic Canadian sprinter, actually bought after us at some point in time. But losing that, um, and then, you know, moving to England where we kind of they tried to start again and we lived in a little village called Wargrove just outside Henley and again um it's kind of a you'll, you'll hear it's like a continuing theme but 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 uh, renting this house that backed onto the Thames 
amazing house and again my mother saying we could have bought if our, your father had listened to me we could have bought that house for twenty five thousand pounds it's now been you know it's now again four five six whatever it is millions of pounds i've been back and had a look at it a couple of years ago funnily enough um but it's that kind of continuing theme and that kind of progressed then through to eventually my mum buying her own house in cardiff and um my my uh my father having to borrow the money from um my mother's father to be able to do that mm-hmm. and then years later that's spinning out into a you know my memories are of just them arguing just shouting at each other in in, in cardiff and the dog barking and jumping up in between them um and that led to you know him trying to to claim you know uh x amount of that the house and my mother going you never actually put any money down that was my father's money so it's funny isn't it when you when you get asked the question as you've just asked me and you kind of reflect back and um it, it a lot of it seems to have been around property and about making the wrong decision um and so my memories of like my mum and then her mum, my nan, have always been around those stories that you know, you know, if you look after the pennies, <laughs> the pounds will take care of themselves, and lots of um, kind of old fashions, I should say, sayings like that mm-hmm. that have, I, I guess you know get um, get lodged in your brain throughout uh, throughout your life and kind of stay there, and then. You might relate to this. You then find out you say, you're saying exactly the same thing to your own children without oh, yes. actually realizing you're saying them. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's a very long winded answer, but that's the first thing when you ask that question. That's the first thing that, that springs to mind. And that's something that my mother still reinforces. And I'm sure she'll still reinforce. She's bound to bring it up next week when I go on holiday with her and my brother and all the kids. It's bound to come up again. And you're like, Oh my God, you, you know, 50 years later, you still got longer than that you still haven't kind of let that go. It's just like, accept it. It happened. That's life. How many other people have got a similar story to losing a house or houses, et cetera. But it's, um, it's always, it's always stayed with me. So it's, it's one of those things that one of the first things that I wanted to do was buy a house. Although again, depending on who you, you, you follow and listen to on social media. I'm thinking of Simon Squibb, who you might remember from the from the Clubhouse days who I've interviewed. Um, him last week putting a post out, you know, buying a house is a lie and getting like hundreds and hundreds of comments of people like calling him out for it. Go, it's all right for you as a millionaire saying don't buy a house, rent it, and all those kinds of things. But it's an interesting one. It's an interesting one. But yeah, one of the first things that I wanted to do was buy my own property, which is which is what I did, you know. Um, and went from that kind of classic starter flat to then a house with a garden. Um, and I guess that's just been ingrained and beaten over the head with me by, by my mother over the years. And it is interesting that, you know, we always think we're going to be very, very different to our parents and we're not going to say the things that our parents say. But actually, we do catch ourselves and it can be quite a shock when you catch yourself saying something or some things that your parents have said to you when they were younger 
that you are then saying to your children with regards to money. Other than the the whole thing around property and wanting to ensure that you brought you bought your own property as soon as you could, what impact do you think it's had on you the 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 relationship that your parents had with money on your own relationship with money now? Hmm. Yeah. Good question. Um. I think it's. I think it's. It's that, and it's also I think being brought up as a Catholic and always having that kind of guilt that again gets gets drummed into you from a very early age. I'm not a practicing Catholic anymore. The first first Sunday that at university, I remember, you know, it was like, yes, I don't have to go to church, you know, um, which, which I didn't. It's kind of a you know Christmas and Easter thing, but um, I think it's it, it's clearly. It definitely impacted me. Um, and I've again trying to only last week again try, you know, set up accounts for my kids who are teenagers a while ago, you know, going from that kind of go Henry to a proper in inverted commas yeah. bank account and doing doing a little bit of research on on that. And it's funny in that my my eldest is now got a you know Saturday job and a summer job because she just finished her GCSEs but they pay her in cash and I'm like who pays anybody in cash anymore and whether it's done to circumvent certain <laughs> yeah. government uh yeah uh I, I I won't mention the name of the employer on on here obviously no. but um you know it's interesting because she's like I'm like that account and then she's always saying to me can I can I use your card on, on Amazon? And I'm like, but I set up your own account for you, you know? And she's like, but I've only got cash. I'm like, okay, the idea is you get the cash, you go to the bank and you, you pay them, yeah. put it in. And then we know that, I think it was only last week, Virgin Money, again, reducing by hundreds the amount of branches they've got. But it's, uh, it, you know, her going, well, I actually like having cash. I like having cash in my hand. I've still got some friends who are quite old school like that, who go out with like a roll of notes. and they My just dad like, does it. My dad, yeah, he gets yeah. real comfort from having, you know, a certain amount of cash in his wallet just mm. in case every single bank breaks down in the <laughs> next 10 minutes. So, yes. yeah. yeah, well, I guess, you know, if you're looking at what's happened in, in America um, over the last year, then you, you can see why people might be worried about that with the uh, some of the banks, yeah, you know, looking like they 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 are going or have gone to the wall are are going to the wall. So yeah, it's it's interesting how that probably has impacted me. And then subconsciously, maybe I'm I'm saying to my children, you know, make sure you put that into your bank account. And then my daughter getting like a first proper wad of working more than you know one Saturday, but doing like three or four days. Um, in the week after she finished the GCSEs and then going straight to Westkey in Southampton and, and blowing it all on like five bikinis for a six day holiday and things, <laughs> things like that. And it's like, well, that clearly has impacted me because my, my mother has always been um, a saver, not a spender. I remember going, you know, on holiday once from Cardiff to Cornwall and her saying that she did it on the back of a personal automatic packet you know cutting out the vouchers and it was because i wanted to go and see this king arthur play right down at the the foot of cornwall in this like kind of natural amphitheater kind oh of i know yeah and yeah yeah mausol somewhere like that down there um and 
me trying to drum that into my children that you know don't bloody spend it all at once you know it's one of those phrases again and it's like look just put some of it away and spend some of it because you want to get that reward you've worked hard i get that so you, you feel like you need to reward yourself but again it's it's learning from your own mistakes isn't it like i remember finishing my a levels working that summer before going to university and saving up all of this money from working at the university library wales actually um, in Cardiff and then going out and thinking this is what you need for university you need a proper sound system so I literally went and bought one of those huge I mean tower stereos that were the thing back in the day where oh, you had a yes. separate like you know record amp tape um you know everything this whole and I just spent virtually everything that I'd earned that summer on this one thing that I could go to college and kind of be really proud of and just kind of show off to anyone who came back to my pad this is how cool I am yeah yeah and then of course you know those things age so quickly as we've seen with technology um over the years so yeah it, it it is interesting that question you know how it's impacted me and clearly you know me again making those mistakes myself and then trying to reinforce them with my children um and and i've seen conversely my youngest save up and buy herself an ipad because that's what she wanted and i was like that's literally going to take you three years yeah. and i was like tell you what if you save up 100 pounds i'll pay the rest of it and she said you know and it was like i don't know what it was saving up for six months or something but it was a substantial amount of time to actually not go and spend all your money on sweeties yeah. at the time so i kind of thought she deserved a reward for that and you know that that's the thing you know I find with my two children they're both very very different when it comes to their relationship with money my eldest I think sounds like your eldest wants to spend you know as soon as he is given it yeah. he needs to spend it right whereas same. my youngest likes to have a big big buffer before he will even think about spending money and he bought himself um and I a brand new iPhone two or so years ago and he would only have been 12 then but he'd you know he'd saved up birthday money christmas money etc and it worked out it would be better for him to buy that in one go than to pay for it over the you know the the 24 months of the contract whatever whereas my eldest no thank you as soon as he's earned it it is spent on something and it is quite hard as a parent well for me anyway it's hard to do the right thing and by the right thing, I mean, in my in my eldest son's case, is for him to feel the discomfort of having no money because yeah. he has spent it, because that has yeah. to be the lesson. But as a parent, you want your child to have that safety net of when they go out, they have a little bit more than they need just in case. And mm. so for me, having to temper my natural instinct to want to give him that cushion to actually needing to teach him that he has to be a little bit more responsible with his money can be a hard thing to balance. Yeah. And, th- and th- another lesson here is don't give your 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 eldest who's is prone to spending all of her money access to your Amazon Prime account because then I've literally got these things coming through on my business account, fake tan, conditioner, hair dye, <laughs> all the things that I use on a daily basis, you know, obviously body see. scrub. <laughs> <laughs> and you're just like, what the hell is all of this is coming through my Amazon? You don't have any money. Oh, well, I was going to pay you back. I was like, no, you were, you were thinking dad's not going to notice this coming through, you know, so it's spend, 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 spend similar to your eldest son by the sound of it. Absolutely, absolutely. 
So we are both entrepreneurs. We both run our own businesses. We both come from the world of, of being in corporate, of, of having, you know, the, the, the benefit of the regular month, monthly salary, et cetera. What made you jump, jump off that train of having that, that comfort of knowing you're going to be having a regular salary into the roller coaster world of, of being an entrepreneur? And sometimes you still yearn for that uh, safety of, <laughs> yes, <laughs> <laughs> you can understand why people never take that jump, um, talk about it, but never make that jump. Yeah. Um, yeah. So for me, it, you know, I, I spent 17 years at Virgin Atlantic getting, you know, that that salary, that's that comfort blanket. And that was after initially joining the BBC uh, and then getting that urge to just go traveling again getting paid for it basically essentially get paid to travel travel the world um but eventually and for years to be honest with you um maybe i was there 17 years at least the last three or four years of that i was not going out seeing all the sites for the umpteenth time going out partying with with the crew i was staying in my room and actually researching different business ideas you know at the time, um, one was uh, like an import export furniture business from like India. We'd go and do a five day trip to Delhi where we'd go to like, you know, huge markets and, and look at um, different different furniture to bring back. Another one was around a children's play area. Then I'd be researching the coffee market on my laptop in my room on my own. And I think it was probably a, a, a couple of things. One was definitely being surrounded by somebody like, Richard Branson, mm. um, who we used to see a lot of back in the day, not so much in the latter years of Virgin, um, but definitely back in the day, and also being a very entrepreneurial company, and there always being another Virgin company springing up, and and you know them publicising that, and me being interested in that, um, and I always just had that itch. I, I didn't have it. Definitely, I didn't have it. As a kid, definitely didn't have it at university, definitely didn't have it in those, you know, first decade or so at Virgin. But um, later on, I definitely came around to this idea. And I think it was an authority thing. Now you get me to think about it in more detail. Um, I think it was definitely an authority thing. Um, and because what I loved being a Virgin was that I worked my way up. I went as far as I could go. I was, um, you know, onboard manager and you didn't have anybody telling you what to do. And then they started reintroducing things where your onboard manager would actually come on board and check you out, like an online check so many times a year. And then I was like, I've gone as far as I can. Um, you know, it's like, I, I want to earn more money. I want to, you know, have a role that challenges me. And because I could have done my job with my eyes shut in the end. And it wasn't challenging me. Like I said, I wasn't going out anymore and actually seeing the places I was going to. Um, so it was definitely a... I want to work for myself. I don't want to answer mm. to nobody else. That was that was the thing. So and, and I and I went for the job above my role that was ground based, and I got down to the last two, didn't get the job, and in hindsight that was a blessing because it would have meant me having to go from where I live here in Pool and Dorset to Gatwick every every day, and I think it was just that that move away from authority and and just having this itch to scratch that just became itchier over time that um i don't want to have anyone to answer to i want to be in charge of my own destiny therefore i determine for good or bad 
you know, the ups and downs, as we know, of the, the entrepreneurial yeah. roller coaster, but, but not answering to anybody, being in charge of my own destiny, making my own decisions that determine my income, um, where I live, where I go on holiday, all those kinds of things. And that just got stronger and stronger and stronger. And ultimately, my wife at the time, who also worked for Virgin Atlantic as a beauty therapist in upper class, she got made redundant. So they figured out in the last financial crisis of 2008, 2009, that they could fly somebody somewhere without needing a massage. So they got rid of all 300 beauty therapists, unsurprisingly. They did that. Yes. I completely forgot they offered that service. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, uh, you know, she loved it. Um, passengers, passengers loved it, et cetera, but cutting costs, it was, you know, clearly going to be one of the Mm. first things to go. And I just thought at that time, I just came around to the idea was that, and they kept offering better packages for more people to leave. And I was just like, I hadn't actually thought of leaving right now. But I always said that I was going to leave before I was 40. And I was 39. And I just thought they made a, an offer and it was a year's salary. It was two years of free flights. I had unlimited upgrades to upper class. And I was like, do you know what? If I'm never going to go. Now's the time. I think now's the time to go. Mm. So bit the bullet, took it realized very soon that a year's salary doesn't last a year um and thus began thus began the uh the entrepreneurial roller coaster that i'm still on and now for a short break are you ready to embark on a transformative journey that'll help you unleash your full potential and break free from limiting beliefs about money discover the power of consistent daily action for setting the foundation for your financial transformation. Introducing the 30-day Boost Your Money Confidence Experience, the start of your journey to mastering your relationship with money. Elevate your money confidence with daily emailed action prompts, each building on the previous day, and emerge with transformed thoughts, feelings, and actions around money. Click the link in the show notes for full details. Now back to the show. Isn't it interesting, though, that I think for every single person I've spoken to over the years who runs their own business, it is that draw of being your own destiny setter, being the mm-hmm. own, your own master or mistress of what you do, when you do it, and how you do it, and that we actually put that above the security um, of having, you know, a salary at the end of the month, regardless. And I think it's really interesting that for the majority of people I speak to, and I include myself in this, we're quite happy for a certain amount of time to be directed by somebody or some bodies else. But a point comes where we actually say no. I need to get off this train now. I need to decide my own course. And if that means accepting a certain amount of discomfort along the way, that discomfort is worth it. And what made you decide to uh, to do that, Leslie? My children. Yeah, my children. You know, I had no plans whatsoever uh, to run my own business. You know, like you said, you know, when I was a child, when I was at university, when I first got onto the corporate ladder really happy, really, really comfortable. Mm. But as soon as my children were born and having to go up to London, you know, be in a job where I was 
clock watching to see if I could get home in time to give them a kiss goodnight, I suddenly realized I was not in any way the mistress of my of my own destiny at all. Um, and it was at that point that I thought, something's got to give. And I am so glad it did, because probably like you, I can't imagine working for anybody else now. No, no. And funnily enough, when you said about the kids, that the straw that broke the camel's back, interestingly enough, and I still have this in my uh, mental snapshot in my brain, was I'm pretty sure my wife was pregnant with our second daughter, and I was leaving the house, suitcase behind me, uniform, going to get the the bus, because that's what I ended up doing so I could sleep on it. I used to drive, but getting the bus up to Heathrow, and um, just glancing back at the house over my shoulder and seeing the face of my, at that time, nearly two-year-old daughter looking at the window and waving at me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, what am I doing? man, what am I doing? Yeah. Um, and I think it was, I can't remember, but we used to have this, some of the crew loved it and, and others like me hated it. And it was a nine-day trip and Bearing in mind that the, the normal trip for Virgin would either be take up three days or take up four days. Like you'd leave on Monday to New York, you'd have um, Monday night in New York, you'd, you'd uh, travel back on the Tuesday overnight and you'd land back on the Wednesday. Or you'd have two nights away and you'd go to LA or San Francisco or somewhere and you'd land back on the Thursday. Okay. And the benefit was you'd then get the day, the rest of the day off that you landed on, but then you'd also get three days off afterwards if it was a longer trip. Anyway, this one was nine days and you would go Heathrow, Hong Kong, Hong Kong for two nights, Hong Kong to Sydney, Sydney for less than 24 hours, back to Hong Kong for another two nights and then back home. That used to take up nine days and I just didn't want to be away for nine days. Mm -hmm. And just every time I did that, I think I did it three times, every time I got to Sydney and it was an amazing hotel right down to the rocks in the harbour there. You'd be thinking, I can't believe I've come all the way around the bloody world and I'm, I'm here for one night and I feel like death, you know. Um, but it was that little face at the window that was definitely, it's good you remember, could I ask you that question? It was. Your answer there. Yeah. Um, because it definitely was that moment. And I'm, and I'm assuming looking back, that was when these negotiations were happening going okay we'll increase the amount of money we'll in- we'll give you an extra year of free travel um it, it was because then i remember going to south africa for a wedding taking the two kids then with me and my youngest was like one or something like that so it was right at that time and that was it it was literally i don't want to be away and that's rewarded a gazillion times over being like one of the few dads when i've seen it at the sports day at the um, getting the star of the week award at primary school, you know, being a lot of mums, but not yeah. being a lot of dads and just yeah. thinking I can do that. Yeah. Not and everyone that, can do that. Yeah. And that, you know, what's the advert? Is it a Barclay card or MasterCard or something? And they say, you know, for everything else, you know, it, there's, it, that is priceless for everything else is Barclay card. And yeah, I, I right. think, you know, I think that is so very, very true. And you've just reminded me now that, and it, it goes to show, I think, and I wonder whether this is true for you as well, that running our own businesses after having been in corporate, our children get to see 
a different perspective. Now, mine were very, very young when I was in corporate, but I am sure they have some kind of awareness of mum. My husband had set up his own business at that stage anyway, but mum was, you know, heading out the door very, very early in the morning, coming back very, very late at night. Um, And several weeks ago, my youngest, who's only 14, um, he'd had plans to be an investment banker. uh, And there's two parts to this. And he said to me a few weeks ago, Mum, I've decided I'm not going to be an investment banker. I'm going to run my own business because like you and dad, I want to be around for my children all the time like you are. A 14-year-old said that. At 14. What the hell? But moving on from that, more recently, he has got a real fascination with planes, loves planes. He can look at a plane in the sky and he can say, you know, what it is, where it's flying to, really? et cetera, et cetera. Oh, God, yeah. doors, planes. And he said to me a couple of weeks ago, do you know, man, I think I might be a pilot. No, hang on. I won't be a pilot because that means being away from my family for several days at a time. So mm. for him, there's a big connection, even mm. at just four. And he has got his first girlfriend as well. And there's a big connection between doing a job he loves, but not at the detriment of not being around for his family. And mm. that's never been anything that we have said. So we have never said running our own business means. Instead, we have shown, like you said, you know, being at every sports day, being at every school assembly, never having to go, well, dad will come to this because I can't, but I'll go to this because uh, yes. he can't. Yeah. But they are soaking up that experience that we are going through that's allowing them to be able to you know glance out into the audience at any school event and see that we are there and i think that is truly priceless it is i wonder if that will yeah you, you think subconsciously mine would be picking up on that and it'll it will um what's the phrase uh reveal itself at some point like like with your younger son uh you'd assume it would it's interesting because i i at least with virgin we used to have a schedule a couple of months in advance and you could request stuff off you could request a trip but I had a conversation with a friend of mine who is a pilot who's who's like in the top one percent of all pilots in that what he gets paid because he, he flies like the richest man in india around on his private jet um like the biggest company in india um and he said, I, I, we were like planning dates. I'm like, going to the Rugby World Cup in France in September. I've got, got a spare ticket, mate. It's for Scotland. You're Scottish. Do you want it? And he was like, I'll buy it off you anyway. But he says, I won't know until a couple of days before whether I go. And I went, a couple of days? What are you talking about? He was like, oh. So I literally got a phone call yesterday saying, oh, you need to go to Dubai um, on Monday. And I was like, right. And he was like, and I, I don't know when I'm coming home. And I was like, what do you mean you don't know when you're coming home? And he's like, well, I've got to take the plane there. It needs to get repaired probably be two weeks but i can't give an exact date as to when and i was like oh my god i couldn't cope with that but i know he gets paid a ridiculous you know hundreds and hundreds of thousands of pounds but to have that insecurity and they've got you know two twins um and yeah he would have missed he would have been there for a lot of stuff obviously but equally to not know what you're doing from one day to the next. I couldn't, my, I'm not wired that way. I couldn't no. cope like that. I'm quite a creature of habit and I like structure. Yeah. And it kind of goes out the window when I 
when I go to somewhere like London, like I'm going tomorrow, but I know that I can now, it's taken me a while to work this out, but I can now accept that and not beat myself up about the fact that my, everything else will go to shit, like my, you know, exercise and my, my food and drink, you know, all of that is, is not as on point as it yeah. would be if I was at home, but to be able to do that, that's, that's, that. yeah, tell your son he doesn't want to become a private pilot, that's for sure. <laughs> I will definitely share that story with him. So what are you excited about as far as the future is concerned? I am most excited about, um, I'm definitely excited about my podcast, um, which I haven't been as excited about it as I have been in a long time. And I've got my first interview in tomorrow. Uh, which is going to be, you know, screw it, just do it 2.0, I guess, which will be coming out this autumn. But yeah, I'm just really, really excited about that. Having, um, can't remember, I think, I, yeah, I would have told you when I went to this talk at the podcast show. Yeah. Um, and it was by the, the team behind the high performance podcast and the team behind Fern Cotton's happy place podcast. And it really just opened my eyes as to again, what is possible. And yes, I should probably know that running a podcast agency and having had my own podcast for six and a half years but um i think maybe i just needed to hear that message at that time and my focus is going back on my podcast which it definitely hasn't been um so i'm i'm very excited i'm very excited about that for the future i'm i'm excited about where that can take me and my family and my future and a couple of things based around based around that that I'm that I'm working on at the moment. And and funnily enough, funnily enough, again, it was it was something it was uh it was doing a consultation, a conversation with you, and then somebody else last Friday, and I was like, it just got me excited about the industry that I'm in and helping other people. And I think I kind of lost that with running an agency and just getting into the real weeds of the business, you know, the minutiae of the business and not actually, it's, it's Georgie, who works for me, she actually said to me, you, you actually haven't been doing what you enjoy doing for a while. And I was like, do you know what? You are a hundred percent right. I'm not, I'm not chatting to people like we are now and getting excited about chatting to that person yeah. on my podcast and not chatting to other people about their podcasts and helping them. And it's not just a podcast. It's bigger than the podcast. It's, you know, the podcast is just a vehicle, but it's helping that person get to where they want to be. And that put that podcast, just like with me, the podcast is just a vehicle. It's an enabler yeah. to do that. But I've definitely gotten way out of the loop for that. And I'm now in the process of, reimagining what the next six months 12 months three years five years looks like and you have those and you you might have had this as well that that realization that in in theory in four years time last child uh, flies the nest and there is another opportunity to reimagine what your life is like there's so many people you speak to and they'll they'll and maybe these people are in you know your those kind of traditional jobs where go oh all the all the birds have flown the nest now. The children have all left. It's really lonely. And you're like, but if you actually get proactive about that and imagine yeah. that happening, which I've 
I've started like a year ago on that and it's now being reshaped by, you know, these kind of realizations, these, um, screw it, just do it moments for want of a better word, phrase, um, over the last few months that you can actually shape that yourself. And for me, as you know, mine was, mine will be right. I want to have a ski chalet. Um, because you know this where to is, come. I know exactly <laughs> where to come. Um, and it's, you know, again, one of those exercises I, I, I do. And it's, um, you know, asking you that question similar to what you've just asked me, you know, what lights you up on a daily basis and, and writing that down and then actually looking at that and going, how much, am, how much of those things that light me up am I actually doing regularly? And, um, when you actually go, okay, well, my favorite thing in the world is snowboarding. I haven't been snowboarding for two years. And this, this isn't true, but it, it was true at one yeah. point. And it's like, I love golf. I play golf twice a year. And it's things like that. And you're going, well, and, and I love hanging out with my friends. When was the last time you saw these friends? Oh, two years ago. And it's just like, man, come on. Yeah. <laughs> work it out. You know, rework this whole thing so that you are, as you say, you know, what are you excited about? So now I, I am excited about, you know, I've got a, a weekend away with my with my friends from university playing golf. I'm going to the Rugby World Cup in France with my oldest friend from Cardiff High School to go and watch three of the games in the World Cup. I'm going, it's not official yet, but going to another country about 16 hours away flight to record a month's worth of podcasts. Wow. Things like that. Yeah, yeah. Sing, things like that that are really exciting. Um, interviewing some really exciting people, um, Britain's most famous skier, two mountain biking world champions, um, world championship boxer. Yeah, some really exciting things. So I, I'm excited about a lot of things. Yeah. But if you'd asked me that maybe four months ago, you would have got a different answer. But now, yeah, it's a very long-winded answer I've given you. No, I loved it. And I saw your, about whole, a lot of things. Your, your whole demeanor just lifted as <laughs> you were talking about all of there that. There you go. But what I'd also like to reflect back to you, and you you may have thought about this, you may not have thought about it, but actually as somebody who is well respected, you know, in the podcast industry, and I'm talking about you here, who has had a podcast that has gone six hundred plus episodes, actually stopping and getting off the treadmill. The, the 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 hamster wheel and actually being honest with yourself and saying not really enjoying this at the moment I need to make a change that has allowed others including me who are coming who are coming through the process but are behind you to actually say okay we need to make sure that we are enjoying this. We need to make sure that the reason we started the podcast is still aligned with why we're doing it now and not to just continue doing it because we're afraid of what might happen if we stop doing it. So huge kudos to you for actually having that introspection, having that ability to reflect on do I just keep going in the yeah. same format just for the sake of I'm 600 plus episodes in or do I take a break and come back even bigger and better? Yeah. And it's the same with the job you're in, isn't it? You know, qu questioning that, you know, do you, is it still serving you? Is it still serving its its purpose? And 
it's definitely and and for me look you know starting a podcast might not be the right thing for for everybody and it might be that you discover that on that journey but um i posted something on linkedin last week because i'd done some research on it and it was like 25 26 percent of podcasts that are released never get past episode one i didn't know that that's mental that's like the show trailer 26 percent of podcasts 26% of podcasts release a show trailer and then never release any episodes. Okay. Um, the other, the other stat was 46%. I think it was a podcast never go beyond episode 10. And it's like, okay, I get it that it might not be for, for everybody, but equally there's something there around consistency and putting the work in and not releasing one episode and going, okay, where's my million pound sponsorship contract and where's my million followers? And, you know, it's, yeah. it's that kind of thing. Great, Tommy. And for me, it's like I, I'm, I haven't quit my podcast. I've taken a break. We're recording the next episode tomorrow. So it's carrying on. It's just been completely re-envisaged. Yeah. You know, there's now a structure that we walk every guest through each episode. Um, there's a beginning, a middle, and an end. Um I've I've got who I want to get on that podcast uh, and, you know, aspirations for future guests, et cetera. Um, and like I say, it, it's the same with a job or everything in your life. I think you question relationship, et cetera, everything. But you, you also have to look at it and go, you know, am I not doing it justice? Am yeah. I putting the work in? Um, but equally, you know, as you said, you know, if it, if it's not serving you, then it's it's, again, making that decision whether it's the job and then we kind of go back to leaving the world of employment and becoming an entrepreneur and it's being fair enough to go actually well if this isn't serving me i've got to be big enough to actually say stop how often do we say stop stop not enough we just keep doing them for the sake of doing them yeah absolutely Absolutely. And you, you you are so right. But you doing that 600 plus episodes in saying, need to take a break, need to work out the, the new direction for the next 600 plus episodes. I think that gave a lot of us almost permission to go, do you know, if that time comes where we feel we need to do the same, then actually it's okay to do so. Because Alex Chisnell, he's done it. And look mm. how long he's had his podcast for, the success he's had on that podcast. So thank you for doing that, for giving us the ability to realize, actually, we're not just the masters of our own destiny in our own business. We are the same when it comes to the different vehicles we use to promote that business as well. So thank you. So how can people connect with you, Alex? Um, easiest way, I'm... I'm- Alex Chisnell on all social media except Instagram. It's Alex Chisnell underscore everywhere else like LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, etc. It's at Alex Chisnell. Um, and then it's easy. Alex at I'll say screw it, just do it dot org is my email. So Alex Chisnell, sorry, Alex at screw it, just do it dot org is the easiest email to get hold of me. Um, for anybody who'd like to get in touch. Brilliant. Thank you very much for your time today. I have really, really enjoyed our conversation and it's given me lots of food for thought as well. So thank you for your time. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me on again. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks very much for listening to the latest episode of the Let's Talk Money and More podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. 
If you would like to better understand your relationship with money, then please head to the resources section on my website, the Money Confidence Academy, and download my monthly money mindset audit. This will allow you to create a benchmark for where your relationship with money is right now and allow you to continue to measure it on a monthly basis as you do the inner work to improve it. You will also find a copy of my Money Archetypes Assessment at the same time, which will allow you to start to really understand which are your three primary money archetypes driving your relationship with money and how to use this information to make, spend, keep and invest more money. Or if you are a female online business owner, why not join my free Money Confidence community over on Facebook? A link to the group and other ways to connect with me can be found in the show notes. Finally, if you have enjoyed listening to the podcast, please do tell others about it. And I would love it if you rated it and gave a review.